Broadcast, research, innovation, practice, enterprise. Welcome to Rightcast, the podcast series for all things research, innovation, practice, and enterprise here at W Business School. I'm Barney Taylor, and today I am delighted to be joined by the legendary John Gunning. John, welcome to the show. Oh, delighted to be here, Barney. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic, John. I've been meaning to get you onto the show for a while, and we're going to be having a, a nice conversation today about new developments in football tactics. Before we go there, though, perhaps you might just say who you are and what you do at DBS. Uh, well, I'll keep it very brief. Uh, yeah, John Gunning. Um, I'm a film studies lecturer here and have been for quite a while now. Um, I obviously have quite an interest in football. Me and you have probably been discussing football for the better part of a decade and a half. At this I'd say point. we have at this stage. Uh, so I'm delighted that you that I sprung to mind when you win this topic. It's obviously kind of a, a passion of yours, I guess. I think so. But I mean, I think the key thing is that one of the things we're trying to get onto this show is just people who care about things. Yeah. And I think that's important for teaching that we care and we show that we care and passion brings people towards us, I think, and brings them into our circle. So absolutely. Um, what sort of things do you teach? Uh, teaching here at Dublin Business School has been great, uh, uh, very, very varied. Um, a lot of stuff to do with kind of representational politics in, in film and TV. Um, certainly a lot of kind of cinema history as well, as much as I can, as much as the students can kind of stomach, and we try and contemporize that as much as we can as well. Uh, but yeah, wide range of kind of theoretical subjects, I guess. Fantastic, fantastic. Obviously, cinema history is synonymous with new waves of yeah. things. Let's talk about new waves Absolutely. in football tactics. What do you segue. think? Clumsy segue, but I we'll go there. That worked. So, <laughs> we started talking, or we've been talking, we're both Liverpool fans, so yep. we've been talking about football for, as you say, as long as we've known each other yep. professionally. And one of the things that we have always remarked upon is that actually there is some kind of, or has been, a solidification of tactics. Mm over the last few years. Mm. Now, we might, and you can happily disagree with me, but we might consider this to be something like the Guardiola approach, the Man City-ness mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of football tactics, which we then see with Arteta, who was with Guardiola at Arsenal, where when you watch a Man City-Arsenal game, they're kind of mirror images of each other and effectively make for very dull football. Am I being too controversial when I say that? Um, I think you're being a little harsh. <laughs> well, go on, then tell and me I why. I do think at times that Man City and Arsenal can both be quite expressive and fluid in, and, and, and their, their play can evolve so much. Yes, there's absolutely systems in place and instructions for what players do at certain times. But particularly, I think the Arsenal point is an interesting one because you, can, you, you do see Saka... For example, Saka, Saka regularly kind of wander off the right wing and inside. So I do think there is... I think sometimes we can be a little bit too almost determinist in this and kind of say, okay, that's the strategy. It's either this or that. And I do think there can be some, some form of expression uh, w within those rigid systems. I think they can. I mean, it, like if we bring it back to education, it's like the sweet spot between theory and practice, yeah. I guess, isn't it? Yeah. But it's interesting, though, and I know I'm being harsh, but, you know, that's because, you know, Man City are not my favourite team. Mm. But it's been interesting recently looking at developments in world football. Yeah. And particularly, and you know where I'm going with this, I'm thinking of Fernando Diniz, who mm, is the mm, Fluminense absolutely. manager, who is currently, is he caretaker or interim manager of the Brazil national yep. team? Now, he presents an approach to football which seems to stand in stark contrast to Guardiola's, um, I'm going to say rigidity, hmm. you're going to say sweet spot between sort of praxis. Uh, well, I think you're right. There is a, 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 like a rigidness to it. I mean, yeah, absolutely, Man City have a system. We all know that when 
a central midfielder is going forward with the ball that their their full backs are going to push inside and be far more central everybody knows that when they watch Man City and the same with Arsenal these days as well the same with Sarri yeah. with, 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 with Napoli previously Juventus obviously as well um, yeah there is an absolute system in place mm. whereby obviously players have a certain role that they need to play yeah. what, we're, what you're referencing there obviously is, is the complete opposite of this or what we like to think of I guess is the complete opposite of this what Diniz is doing in Brazil I think so now the, the football writer Jamie Hamilton mm. is also a qualified coach he positions this within a relationship between positionism mm. as he labels mm. the kind of Guardiola type football which obviously is dominant in the European football leagues and this newer brand of football which he has identified he calls it relationism mm. now without wishing to go too far down the rabbit hole one of the things i see with relationism is whereas in a system like a positionist system the central midfielder understands the patterns around him because they are rehearsed and repeated on the training ground so that in a situation a player has options, but he knows where to look for those options. Mm. There's something about this relationist approach, which is much more about making decisions in the moment and therefore empowering players yeah. to be, and it's not to say that Kevin De Bruyne is not a creative player, but he is a creative player within a template. Yeah. So I, I wonder whether you've noticed the same thing with this kind of, this newer approach, although obviously it's something about bringing back the beauty of Brazilian football as well. Yeah, and I think there's probably an extra point there around football and culture and yeah. how, they, how they kind of marry together. And I yeah. think, yeah, for, 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 for Brazil in particular, I guess, we all grew up, I guess, with great Brazilian teams and we'd like to see them playing very free-flowing, expressive football. You know, Ronaldinho, I guess, definitely draw, comes to mind as somebody who clearly didn't have instructions on the football field yeah. except go and have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be the game yourself. Be yeah. yourself, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think we probably all romanticise those notions quite a bit as well. I think it's interesting to look, though, at, at Diniz in particular. I mm. mean, Brazil aren't exactly doing fantastic right now, Bernie. No, and, and that's the interesting paradox here. And I and, and like and I know we've discussed this, and I think it's interesting to drill down into a little bit. Mm. A lot of the big players for the Brazil national team are used to European systems. Yep. And therefore, I think when asked by someone like Diniz to play differently, aren't necessarily able to forget... 15 years yeah. of football training. Many of them have grown up in academies in Spain and Portugal and places or other systems as well. Whereas now he's sort of saying, well, all that stuff you've done for 15 years, let's do it differently. Mm. So it's no wonder at the moment that Brazil can't win. Yeah, it's that retreat to schoolboy football, I guess. It I mean, is. I mean, that, that is probably the temptation is to view it as the yeah. schoolyard game and, and 11 guys running around after the yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, now, it's far more nuanced than that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure if we were to dig into it and we were actually to look, look at footage enough, so we can clearly see there is a system yeah. in place within that chaos as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, can, we can still look at European examples of great yeah. teams in the last few years yeah. that do heavily focus on overloading one side of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Ancelotti's Real Madrid is probably the best example yeah, of that, yeah. where there is a player power given. Yeah. So yeah. it might come down to the question of whether or not you trust your players, whether you can actually do this. Well, that's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? Because a lot of managers don't trust their players. Yeah. And that's why they, they insist on this kind of positionist approach, because 
you know, it always used to be a joke that fullbacks would get a nosebleed if they mm. were in the the opponent's penalty area. But what's interesting about the the relationist thing is, as you say, it is it's entirely founded in a system, and there are lots of things in terms of overlaps and um, what do they call them uh, ladders yeah, and tables exactly. and sort of. But one of the key components of this form of football seems to be people bunching near the touchline because obviously that reduces space. Yep and then forces players to play closer. And if you are of a certain ilk as a player, playing closer brings you back to possibly what you used to do when you were at school or were younger. Whereas if you look at a lot of other systems, it's about stretching the pitch as wide as you can Mm. and then exploiting space. So these kind of relationist teams exploit space differently, I think. Exploit space differently as opposed to probably trying to create space in the the, the traditional manner. yeah, and I think that's that, that's probably what marks it as has been an entirely the antithetical approach to football. And I think again, people kind of like to think of it as the spectrum, I guess, between chaos and, and, and order. And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Because as you pointed out, I mean, the the the, the, the you know, if Man City's positional ultra and let's go with your term rigid approach is is, <laughs> is about creating little attacking triangles, yes, essentially. Yes, I mean, you yeah. could argue that that's pretty analogous with the idea of ladder passing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the overloading yeah. of one side of the pitch, I think, is a really interesting yeah. aspect to kind of focus on relationism. Because I think the temptation, and for somebody like me who's perhaps a little bit jaded and cynical about these things, is to immediately assume that that will be exploited and ripped apart yeah. by a very good positional team, by any competent yeah, yeah, positional team. Yeah, with a quick team. switch. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we can point to examples, but there's still outliers where, where it, within Europe where this where, where, where this philosophy, I guess, has been employed. Yeah. Um, whether or not it would work consistently in the top five leagues in Europe, I guess, is probably the, the key question here. I think that's an interesting question. Now, when we look at the history of Deniz's approach, mm. apparently an apocryphal moment in this history was the 82 World Cup mm. final where this free-flowing team came up against a rigid Italian system and just founded yeah. and weren't able to uh, express themselves. We've also, and you do see it at the national level. I mean, Brazil lost 7 0 to Germany in one of the other World Cups, trying to do something different. But what's interesting about this approach is it doesn't look like it's going to work. Yet Fluminense just won the South American Club Championships, beating Box Juniors. So clearly, and also he's a psychologist. Mm. He clearly isn't just turning up going, lads, I don't know, let's just see what happens. He's a man motivator as well. People speak very highly of him. I mean, the players at Fluminense. So it's a curious one, isn't it? Is he just a maverick? Well, I, th- yeah, I think that's interesting. It's interesting that you bring up his background in psychology because it, it clearly does need managers to kind of go, okay, I trust my players completely. Yeah. Yeah. This is about handing over control to them. And if something goes wrong on the pitch, they're not looking to me for solutions. Yeah. I'm looking to them to go and solve. And again, I point towards Ancelotti's Madrid a little bit in yeah. terms of that. It, it, yeah. Not entirely, but a little bit. In that, but he, Ancelotti's lucky because he's got quick players up front. Exactly. Well, he, who yeah. Can... Yeah. So if you've got players like that that can operate in that system, I think that's fantastic. I don't rec- I don't think uh, Luton Town should probably try it, but, but it, it, perhaps I'm wrong. Oh, the game last the night, night, it sounds like something mad. Was going on, game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I, that probably I am a little bit too cynical about it and assuming that it's just couldn't work, and perhaps been a little bit dismissive as well. Because you're right, Fluminense have gotten great results recently. Yeah, yeah. 
But again, my knee-jerk reaction is to look at the quality of defending that they're up against. There is that, of course. I mean, and also it, it does depend on the leagues. Now, FF Malmo have mm. just won the Swedish First Division and, and the, the coach there is in this sphere in terms of how he sets up his teams. There are inklings of these movements elsewhere. Yeah. Mamelodi Sundowns in South African yeah. football leagues are dominating at the moment. I We see something in OGC Nice yeah. with the, the manager Farioli, who no one would have considered. I, I would never have put Nice anywhere near the top of League One, but they're that second at the moment or yeah. something. Yeah, oh, and, and, and close, I think, just a point off. Absolutely. Uh, Girona, also in La Liga, mm. seem to be suddenly playing a different style of football. Yeah. There is something disruptive about this. As you say, whether it can be dominant is fine, because I don't know whether dominant football systems exist anymore. If you think about Brentford, mm. They have a lot of the Wimbledon long ballness about them, and yet at the same time they're suddenly intricate on the ring when Buomo gets the ball and yeah. these kind of things. It's curious. Also, I was reading recently that Lawrence McKenna, the YouTube analyst, started using the word relationism in relation to Liverpool. Yeah, which now, is very that's quite surprising. Exciting. Which is yeah. very surprising, though, because yeah. I mean we would have had, a, I mean, maybe a heavy metal version of it, but a heavy metal positionism is how we would probably have classified clocks yeah, yeah, in yeah, the last yeah. ten years or so. Yeah. It's not like we haven't all enjoyed watching those games. Yeah. I mean, okay, if we're going to be dismissive, or not dismissive, but I guess critical, I suppose, yeah. of the rigid approach, I guess, that a lot of football managers have, we should also acknowledge that the likes of a Klopp's Liverpool probably fit into, traditionally, yeah. and it is interesting to see a bit now, particularly with Nunes up front, yeah. that somebody like McKenna can identify aspects of this new tactical yeah, approach. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a massive sea change, and that is something that obviously Klopp has identified as something that is, has changed within the game. Yeah, yeah. Um... But at the same time, I would point towards some very entertaining football and expressive football Absolutely. that was played within that rigid, yeah, yeah. supposedly yeah. rigid positional systems as well. It's interesting also because you can't be a Klopp or a Pep Linders mm. and not know what's going on yeah. with Deniers yeah. or of in course. Malmo. And it's interesting with the rebuild of the Liverpool midfield, mm. they now have players who can break positions, yeah. who can play between positions, whereas previously... It was Henderson and Fabinho yeah. who kind of were rock-esque in their dominance in terms of the positions they occupied. And that became a problem, I think. So this comes down to then identifying players that can still play within a system, an entirely different system, yeah. but you're still identifying the metrics that, that a yeah. certain player has and whether yeah. or not they can bring this towards... A, 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 and like you said earlier on, to retrain them out of 15 years yeah, of, yeah. of you yeah. know, since a young teenager yeah. of a different system. And to come back to Guardiola... I mean, his Barcelona team, I don't think we would call them... Yes, yeah, certainly they were positional, but there was a, there was certainly a freedom that was allowed. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets and Messi, then you can probably have that freedom. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. to disparage any of the current Man City squad, but they're not at that level. Nowhere near that level. No, um, no. They're much more programmable as well. There's something yeah. of the spontaneous with some of those players. and But also... That Barcelona midfield, which is very good on the ball. Yeah. So we're able to hold the ball and able to take the ball in tight spaces, which is what Denise wants his players to do. Mm. It's curious also because one of the things that's beginning to happen here at Dublin Business School is we're growing a community almost like the inklings of a football research group. Mm -hmm. We have a Google Drive document yeah. that we are all populating, other members of the college uh, have interests in football from a business perspective or from a, an Irish history perspective. So I'd like to think that maybe conversations like this might be the start of a future symposium, which might be quite interesting. Because one of the things that football does, uh, and 
we all know this to be true, is it allows anybody to have a conversation. Mm. Irrespective of background or perspective, we can all, as they used to say, talk football. With ideas of talking football in mind, John, it's been fantastic having you on the oh, show. Thank you so much, Barney. It's been a real pleasure. This has been RipeCast, the podcast series for all things research, innovation, practice, and enterprise. Tune in for the next episode. RipeCast, research, innovation, practice, enterprise.